Here's what's coming up on today's show. When you're talking about getting that match, it's important to start there, but don't do it at the expense of other expenses that you might have. When it comes to your finances, you don't want to be at a disadvantage. Tim Dyer can help. He's a wealth manager specializing in retirement planning and investment management, and he can be that financial coach that helps you achieve your goals in retirement. This is Retirement Power Play. Welcome into the Retirement Power Play podcast. I'm Ben George with Tim Dyer. We have a good show for you today. Tim, we're going to put the 401k in the penalty box. Well, maybe not mm. necessarily, right? But Spotlight. Let's, let's take a little different approach to it. Uh, maybe you are a little counterintuitive with your advice sometimes, but that's the approach we're going to take today. Why she should not maybe invest into a 401k. Well, this is an interesting topic because the, the 401k, we, we use that term interchangeably. That could talk about 403bs, you know, any t- TSPs, any type of retirement savings account. They tend to be this sort of sacred cow that everybody says, you know, you, you've got to get as much money into this account. Um, you need to contribute to these things, come heck or high water. And so, I don't know, it might make some sense to talk about a couple of things and put it in perspective to see if maybe there's some other scenarios where, hey, maybe that takes uh, the second seat to, you know, just a conventional wisdom of get money in that retirement savings or that 401k at all costs. So, I don't know. Let's yeah. have a chat about it. Penalty box or not, we'll determine. <laughs> we'll do that today on the show. Again, thank you for being a part of the show. If you have questions for Tim, as we move along, you can always call 858-459-3937. Find us online at retirementpowerplaypodcast.com as well. So again, this is not to say that the 401k is a bad investment vehicle. In fact, it's mm-hmm. actually a very good one for many people. It offers many benefits and a uh, little tax, some tax advantages as well. But we also need to recognize that not every tool works for you in the same way as it works for somebody else. And there might be something that actually fits you a little bit better. So these are some scenarios that you mentioned to him that maybe the 401k is not the best place to put your money right now. So what about number one, if you haven't built out your emergency fund, right? I think we all kind of realize emergency funds mm-hmm. important, especially after the last couple of years. But if you haven't built that out yet, is it best to start there before putting any money into a 401k? I think you can make a very strong argument to say that, look, getting some money into an emergency fund that doesn't have some of the restrictions to access the money like a 401k does. Now, just a little you know, uh, back context on this, a 401k is a tremendous vehicle for saving for the future for retirement because it does allow that, the growth of that asset to grow tax deferred, okay? But the flip side of that, if you will, is that you have to wait till you're 59 and a half to access those funds without penalty. All right. So when we talk about it in relation to emergency funds, emergency funds are something that are there in real time now to take advantage or, or to help offset any unforeseen expenses that might come up, whether it's health, whether it's you know you, the car broke down, the roof, you need a new roof, something like that that's sort of unexpected. Um, and far too many, and we've seen plenty of statistics, far too many Americans, you know, don't even have, what is it, $400 saved if something came up in emergency. Heck, you know, my car tires are $400. If, if you just hmm. pop one of them, um, it, it would be that. And I don't know if that's a testament to overpaying for tires or not. But, you know, the point is, is that it doesn't take much in today's, you know, world to have a $400 expense. So, Maybe earmarking, making sure that you've got that emergency fund, that nest egg a little bit bigger, 
And if that means cutting back on your contributions to the 401k, I don't think uh, you know, that's going to put you in the penalty box. In, in fact, I think that's good advice uh, or maybe a good recommendation to shore up that emergency fund so that at least you have it and you wouldn't have to pay penalties if you needed to go get it within you know, the, the underneath the umbrella of the 401k, which would incur a 10% penalty if you're before 59 and a half. And it kind of carries me into one I was going to mention, but you've already, you've already kind of gotten into it. So I want to bump it up to, to now, but just in, in terms of liquidity in general, right? If, if you feel like you're going to need the money, even if it's not an emergency fund, but you, you know, there's some, a purchase coming, a larger purchase that you're going to need in the next, it doesn't have to be in the next year or so, but even before, you know, you're going to be able to access the money in your 401k without taking advantage of the penalties, right? Having to pull that out. So if you need sure. liquidity, right, that's another reason why 401k might not be the best fit. Yeah. I mean, if there's a known expense that's coming up and you don't have the, whether it's, whether it's a, a discretionary expense, um, like you see your TV failing and look, if the TV goes, that's a bad thing, but um, you're still eating and have a roof over your head, right? Um, but, you know, it, whether it's a discretionary expense or a, you know, fix or an essential expense, again, like utilities, uh, maybe you do need new tires, you know that's coming up. If you, if you have that on the horizon, then yeah, if you don't have the funds to meet that, then I would definitely suspend contribution to the 401k um, in an effort, you know, to make sure you have enough to meet those immediate needs. One that comes to mind, too, that sort of stems off this is this belief that we need to get all this money into the 401k come hell or high water. Uh, fine, I said it, right? If your company does not match the contributions, initially, you know, there's still a benefit of putting money into the 401k. But as we balance the trade-offs between, again, building an emergency fund, having money for non-discretionary purchases that you know are coming, those types of things... Um, it might make sense to withhold, right? Now, when you have an employer that makes a contribution or a matching contribution, you know, we call that quote unquote free money, right? For every dollar that you put in, they match it a dollar. So you're essentially getting a hundred percent return on that money. And that's up to a certain limit. You know, typically we see companies match a hundred percent up to the first three percent of your savings and maybe fifty percent on the next 3%. So it would make sense to contribute up until the contributions and stop right there. Now that might not mean that you hit the total limit that you can put in for the year, right? Which, you know, in 2023, I think it's just over 23,000. Um, but when you're, when you're talking about getting that match, it's important to start there, but don't do it at the expense of other expenses that you might have. Mm-hmm. We're talking about why you should not invest in a 401k, going against conventional wisdom in terms of saving for retirement. Potentially not. <laughs> Potentially not, exactly. Uh, well, what about this one, Tim? Debt, big uh, big elephant in the room if you're heading into retirement. So, right, there are some debt. Some debt's good, right? You've talked about this before. But mm-hmm. if you are swimming in debt, right, if this is a big issue for you, it may not be too helpful to be putting money into a 401k instead of getting rid of that. Yeah, so the big thing here is what we call opportunity cost. And I've mentioned this before on, on other episodes. But look, the thing about debt is th- there's something called the cost of capital, right? The cost of that debt. 
Now, I've seen people that have credit cards that have 30% interest. I don't know how credit card companies get away with that, actually. But hmm. 30% interest, even if it's 15 or 20%, that's what it's costing you right, to have that debt. If you invest it in the, let's just say, in the market, and historically, you know, we, the market has provided an average return, not a compound, but an average return of, say, around 10%, well, that, you know, it, that's first grade math. If you're paying 15% and you're earning on average 10%, you know, you're losing money every year. So it makes sense to pay down that 15%, which, you know, essentially you could say it is you're earning 15% of your money, which technically you're not being credited that amount, but you're not paying out that amount in those debt costs. So if you are swimming in debt, to use your term, and you have the decision of paying down, paying into your 401k or paying down your debt. Um, I may sound a little Dave Ramsey-ish here, but I'll say, you know, I think it would probably make sense to pay down and get that debt under control and therefore allowing you, you know, to contribute more guilt-free for the longer term, plus saving you money, right, between the two. Because yeah. if you make, I'll just go back to the point, if you're making money on your investments, and let's use that magical 10%, you still can't use um, easily the, that growth or those gains. You can't take those gains out and pay off your debt without paying uh, taxes and penalty, right? Which reduces ultimately that 10% gain. So um, there's too many hurdles to get it out of that 401k if you need to pay down debt. Long-winded way of saying, hey, pay down that debt and then turn your attention back to the 401k. Yeah, you talked about opportunity cost. It reminds me, a buddy of mine was telling me he had this younger kid that was working at his company, and um, he said he was just paying the minimum on his credit card bills because he wanted to invest that money to get a return. And my buddy said, have you ever checked the percentage that you're paying in interest on your credit card bills <laughs> uh, to see if you're actually making money? And he finally did check it for the first time and quickly changed his uh, decision on where to yeah. put that money. But it speaks to that point. Like Not everybody's aware of those types of things. So. Again, take care of that debt first. All right. One thing, I'll yeah, say one thing, Ben, on top of that, right? It's it, interest rates have gone up in the last year. Some people don't realize that their interest rates have changed. Now, in some True. cases, they haven't. But in some cases, maybe people started at uh, 8, 9, 10%. Maybe they missed a payment or something of that and it reset to this sort of variable rate. Boom, those things are astronomical now. Um, so I'd encourage everybody listening if you've got any debt, just log into the account or uh, place a quick phone call to the company. Find out what that rate is. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about taxes? So if you are worried about future tax increases, if that's something that's on your mind, a concern you have, why might it be best to not invest in a 401k? Mm, okay. Well, this could be another episode in and of itself, but I'm just going to start with a little bit of history because a lot of the clients that we meet with, um, you know, they've done what they're told. They've, you know, maybe they're in their 50s or early 60s and they're, they've been contributing to a retirement plan, a 401k and IRA for years, right? Again, pensions don't exist as much as uh, the previous generation as they did for the previous generation. So we're more reliant on our own retirement savings. The point I'm getting at now is these balances in these retirement accounts, including 401ks, is now getting much bigger. It's not uncommon to see IRAs and 401ks with a million, two, three, four, five million dollars in them, right? And so what happens is when you start to distribute that money as of current, you know, tax law, when you take money out of your IRA or your 401k, that is considered ordinary income and that's taxed at certain rates. 
And if those rates are going to be higher in the future, you're essentially creating an asset that's getting bigger and bigger and it's headed towards higher and higher tax rates, right? This is what uh, Dave McKnight calls the, uh, the, the tax train is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so in some cases, you know, I've, I've advised clients to potentially stop contributing to the 401k with the exception up to the match because that's 100% return on your money. And for the rest of that money, maybe direct it into, into a non-retirement account where they can control the taxes, for example, if you put it in a brokerage account uh, or even a savings account and you have a, um, maybe a gain, then you could be p- potentially paying capital gains taxes instead of ordinary income taxes. And right now, those three tax brackets for capital gains are 0, 15, and 20%. For a lot of people, that number is significantly less than what they're paying in ordinary income taxes. So there is a, I, I, you know, there's not a mathematical number per se for each person that says once you get to, you know, a million dollars, stop contributing to the 401k. Because it, if you're 30, to use an extreme example, or you're 60, there's a difference between the two, right? Mm-hmm. As regards to the balance. So, uh, you know, check on that. And uh, it, it might make sense for you or your advisor that you work with to run a, a tax projection to basically show what the tax liability would be if you continue putting money into the 401k and the account continues to grow in the way that it's been growing. You'll be surprised that, um, you know, when you do an apples to apples comparison, uh, there is a limit where maybe, you know, not allocating as much of the 401k makes some sense. All right. Very good. Good reason why, again, to maybe reconsider the 401k. What about if you're no longer with the company? So oftentimes you already have the money in the 401k and it's easy to just kind of leave it in that 401k, even if you change jobs, change companies. But why is that potentially not a good idea? Yeah, that, that's a slightly different angle. I mean, if, if you're not working at a company, you can't contribute to the 401k there anymore. Right? Now, you have a couple of options. You can leave those 401k assets there. Typically, the primary reason that employees do that is there's a little bit of added um, Legal protection, if you get sued, you've got some protection, the 401k, that doesn't always translate if you convert that to an IRA. The flip side of that is if you, can tr- if you do roll your 401k into an IRA, you now have unlimited options. You now can control different things like the risk, the different investments that you have in there. You're not just limited to the, um, I don't know, call it 15 or 20 funds that the company 401k plan provides. So I think... Um, and, and if you do roll it to an IRA, you can continue to make contributions. But, you know, along the bigger picture, you mentioned if you're no longer working in a company, contributions are not so much an, an issue, but that doesn't mean that you want to ignore it. I think that's the bigger picture. You want to at least understand how that account is invested at the old 401k, a company's 401k, and if it makes sense to roll it to an IRA and um, potentially lower your expenses and potentially lower the risk and maybe potentially increase the rate of return. Okay. Last one I've got for you then, if you are someone that maybe has concerns about your plan, the structure of it, the control, how much flexibility you might have, the investment options, to your point, uh, any number of things, is this a reason why? And and how many people are paying, paying that close of attention to the structure of their plan? Well, not enough. Um, again, people contribute to, people love their 401ks and, and rightfully so, right? They're putting money in. They're usually putting money into uh, all stock investments, it's, it's, it's usually under-diversified, and they're adding more money to it. So 
by having sort of a heavy growth allocation, right, or investment mix, new funds coming in, the effects of dollar cost averaging, where the same dollar amount buys more when prices are down uh, than when they're up, creating a lower average cost. Those are all things that work in your favor, right? So people look at their 401ks like, wow, they, you know, the value goes up every year. You know? <laughs> some of that's contribution and some of that is maybe more aggressive allocations. And there's nothing wrong with that. We don't want to you know, cut that back. But we want people to be aware of that, right? There's nothing wrong with the risk. In fact, we put a note out to our clients about volatility recently. There's, the volatility isn't necessarily a bad word because there's bad volatility, right? Declines in the market. But there's also upside volatility. So at least understanding where those goalposts are with your investments and, and knowing, okay, if things go right, this is how this you know, investment mix uh, could potentially work out. And if it, things don't work out, here's you know, kind of the downside risk historically that we've seen. And are you comfortable with those ranges of return? If you have a portfolio that's fully invested in stocks and you know, the, in, in a sharply declining market, if you will, like 2008 or the dot com, if that portfolio drops 60%, is that something that you, you know, is that the type of risk that you want to take? For a lot of people, it's not. And they're not aware that they're sort of sitting in something that could do that again. So to your point, it's, it's um, you know, understanding what you have and, you know, where those goalposts are and if that meets the objectives that you have. And do you want to take control and have that additional flexibility with maybe uh, a non uh, company sponsored plan by rolling that into a, an IRA. It's a long winded, a lot of things to think about, right? But when you break it down, um, you know, especially if you talk to a professional that's knowledgeable about these things, just make sure that uh, no stones left unturned and that you're aware and comfortable with your current investments. Yeah, I think that's a good way to kind of wrap it up uh, in conclusion. But you know, 401k is a great vehicle. And then again, not to say that you shouldn't be putting your money there, but again, hopefully this gives you some things to be thinking about. So make your mind kind of turn a little bit in terms of, hey, maybe I need to investigate a little bit more into where I'm putting my money. Maybe talk, have another conversation or two with someone that does this every day to make sure I'm doing what's best for my future and uh, hopefully for that financial freedom that you strive for. So if you have questions for Tim, best thing to do is call 858 858- Four five nine three nine three seven. You can always log on as well. DyerWealthManagement.com and you can find our podcast at RetirementPowerPlayPodcast.com. All right, Tim, anything else on this before we close it out? Well, I think the 401k did avoid the penalty box in this one, <laughs> but uh, we did ask some of the right questions. So I hope that was helpful for our listeners. I think it was. So we appreciate your time and thank you for listening to the Retirement Power Play Podcast. For Tim Dyer with Dyer Wealth Management, I am Ben George. Talk to you soon. The commentary on this podcast reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analyses of Sage Capital Advisors, LLC, DBA Dire Wealth Management employees making such comment and should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Dire Wealth Management or performance returns of any Dire Wealth Management Investments client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. The opinions expressed in this podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referred for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly.
As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Dire Wealth Management provides advisory services through Sage Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Dire Wealth Management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Dire Wealth Management unless a client service agreement is in place.